We used to have pot called uh, monkey pot. Monkey pot, nice. Yeah. That's good. That's a Twilight Zone thing, is it? I think they had um, opium in it. They would mix opium with it. Shit. Okay. Who knows? I mean, none of those people ever told the truth. <laughs> yeah, that's what Patty once said to me. When you were buying shit, did they ever tell you it was bad? Oh, it's the best stuff I have right now, but come on to fuck. Class. So, somebody oh. said, oh my God, they, they put um, embalming fluid in the pot and they were just so shocked. And I was like, they've been doing that for like 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, a story I heard before where this lad was out of it, you know? He was after smoking and drinking and uh, he took some fucking uh, acid, yeah? And him and his mate were driving. But his mate was all clear-headed, you know? And they yeah. crashed into this other car, and the car flipped over. But the driver only had one hand and one leg. So when he got out of the car, like, they were all prosthetics. Is that what you call it? Yeah. And he yeah. got out of the car, and it's like, what do we fucking do to you, man? We have to take the fucking hand off him. And all of a sudden, they see him walking with only one leg. And it's like, I have the leg as well, Tony, my fuck. And he's just sitting there like, don't worry, it was my fault. He's talking to us. It's, uh, yeah, but yeah. he was just literally like putting the arm onto us and he was like, fuck's sake. Yeah, there was this guy in Bad jail and, and his uh, left arm was all, well, we drive on the left side of the car. So his left yeah. arm was all all tore up when he was in jail. And I was like, what happened? And he said, I always drive with my hand out the window up on the roof, you know? And he rolled the car and it got all tore up on the road. And then I saw him at a meeting like six months later. I was like, dude, I was in jail with you. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Class. Yeah. It would have been funny if he was like, no, that, that's my brother. He was on the right. other side. <laughs> right. Yeah. My twin brother had the back seat. the other window. Right. Ah, oh, fuck. Jesus Christ, that's mental. It is mad when you, you meet these people from your past or whatever that way. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Then you hear some amazing stories like uh I don't know if I ever told you the one about Seamus. Or it's uh someone's house went on fire, yeah. And Seamus got so drunk one night and he goes, That's no way to burn a house. And uh about a month before that Seamus was kicked out of his house, they threw all of his stuff outside, you know? Yeah. But they threw the bed outside the house, so Seamus was just sleeping in the bed outside the house. <laughs> <laughs> he was like fuck you <laughs> and uh, the day before they threw him out yeah, the the policeman and like some of the debt collectors came and goes you, you owe 60 pound now for this and then Seamus put his hand in his pocket and said I only have 30 he goes well you can give us 25 of that now and Seamus goes you can fight me for all of it or you can fuck off <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what they I never fought with the police, man. Oh, man. He's gassed. But uh, they threw him out of the house, yeah? And then he was just sleeping on his front lawn in his bed, like, <laughs> outside the house. And then someone's house went on fire, and he was full of beer, and he goes, that's no way to burn a house. I'll show you how to burn a fucking house. And uh, that's shamey. That'll be an episode soon, hopefully. Oh, fuck. When I was in jail, I was... about this guy, and, and he was all bandaged up. And I was like, what happened? And he 
jumped out of the car in handcuffs on the highway. She Shit. jumped out of the back of this police car with handcuffs on. It's all fucked up. Did have handcuffs on before, and they were like at the back. And then when I was getting out of the car, I had them on the front of me. I was able yeah. to like get them out under my legs. Yeah. And the policemen or the guards were like, "How'd you do that?" And I go, ah, "I didn't get away though, did I?" So didn't get me very far. No. Houdini. Perks. Houdini is right. Yeah, I don't need to get arrested again. Anyway, I think I've done enough of that. Yeah, that's yeah. What's the? What do you think is the maddest thing you got away with? I didn't get away with much. I almost always got caught. Some, <laughs> I did honestly. Or the guy I was with got caught with me, and then he would just tell on. It's like I got pulled over and I had this whole story made up. And uh, the cop comes up and asks the other guy next to me. And he's like, oh, yeah, he did it. I was with him. I saw. I watched him do the whole thing. Do you ever see that T-shirt where it's uh, a good friend will bail you out of jail? A really good friend will be beside you saying, well, we're fucked now. You're right. <laughs> All right. Well, that was awful fun. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Well, it lasted. Oh. Oh, Jesus. What, um, uh... I got, I, I got caught for golfing on a closed golf course. <laughs> and it, it cost me 120 bucks. They gave me a, a ticket. And then I got caught for fishing without a fishing license. And we were using French fries for bait, and they were carp. I don't know if you guys got carp over there, but it's this yes. big, ugly, useless fish, and it just fills the rivers up there. And uh, right. so they're not like a game fish, or they're not protected or anything. And that's what we were catching these really big carp with French fries. And the guy's like, "Do you have a license?" I'm like, "I'm not even fishing. I'm using French fries, and these are carp. Those don't even count." And that was another like 110. <laughs> I had to pay for that. Yeah. Man. that's funny do you get like fined right on the spot or do you have to like give the money straight over or you, you have a month no, they, to pay how does that work yeah they write you a ticket and then you have to mail the money in mail them a check they probably it's all probably electronic now it's been so long since I've got caught doing anything mm. you know we don't have jaywalking in Ireland yeah what do you mean you, you can't get in trouble for it like, it's just not a thing. So you guys don't have crosswalks? I, I don't know what that is, but like you can, like a lot of the time, people will just they'll push the, the button for it to turn red for the cars. And yeah. if there's no one coming, they'll just walk across the road. Yeah. It's, uh, but like, the police will do it the whole time, you know? It's, uh, it's not, it's not a rule. And yeah, they'll think of you for that down here, over here. Actually, I think we're just directly. East of you guys. My friend from New Zealand was talking to me once. She was telling me, how much is it to go with a bicycle, like a regular cycling, not a motorcycle like you or whatever? A mm -hmm. cycling bike. Uh, it's fucking, it's 150 bucks uh, New Zealand money and they take the bike off you. In Ireland, you can, helmet is optional. 
you don't got to fucking. I did get a ticket for that in a state. See, some states have a helmet law and other states don't. And I was riding all night driving from Ohio to Florida. And I wasn't even paying attention to what state I was in. I got pulled over for not having a helmet on in a state that I needed a helmet on, but I didn't know I needed a helmet. That was like 140 bucks. Jesus, man, you're just racking up money here. <laughs> they got me for talking in, in New York. You can't talk on a cell phone and drive. Yeah, that's, that's everywhere I, in Ireland, too. Yeah, I was working in New York, and uh, we'd go up there for like two weeks at a, at a time. We'd go to Buffalo. And uh, I just got off the turnpike. And I got pulled over talking on my cell phone. And I was like, man, you should have a big fucking sign somewhere. Because I didn't even know that was a law. And that, that was, <laughs> yeah. You know, they should have signs from state to state to tell you what, what's good and what's not. Yeah, yeah. No entering phone-free zone. That's, that's mental, though, about your country, man. Where, like, uh, it's different state by state. Right. I'm I didn't even know what state I was in. <laughs> I was giving out about chargers being not to be the same in every country or plugs or something. Everyone should be universally the same. Sure, then again, if it wasn't the same, we wouldn't have them difference. This guy I worked with, he, because uh, we had to work in Canada too. So we had to go across the bridges into Canada because that was part of our coverage, you know? Because it's right at Buffalo where Niagara Falls is, and then you go across the bridge to Canada. And my the coworker I had, he calls me up because I was like a kind of a manager at the time. And he's like, I'm up in Canada and I don't have enough money to get back across the bridge. And I was like, so you want out of state to work with no money? He's like, well, I had, a, I had some, but it's all gone now. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? You know? In Youngstown, you were, Frank? Yeah, that's where I'm at now. Is that where you grew up, though? No, no, What's I grew your... up on the west side of, west side of Cleveland, in a little What's suburb. The... What's that called? Avon Lake. All right. So it was right on the shores of Lake Erie, which is one of the big Great Lakes. It's really is it great the biggest, I think? I think it's no, the I've biggest, been around a couple of them. Yeah, I've, dri- I've driven all over Canada. And I know I've been around a couple of the Great Lakes. What's one place you go to again? Your son just got oh, back left- from Hawaii. You're going to do that? Where do you want to? Oh, I doubt I'll ever get back there unless, you know, we fucking hit the lottery or something. It's expensive. Yeah. Well, I don't know about right now because of the COVID. I think uh, that's why I was so surprised New Zealand was so expensive because it's really cheap flying anywhere else. I know the Lord of the Rings was there. That's about it. Oh, excuse me. They're more sheep than people as well. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those. It looks uh, beautiful. Man. Yeah, it's a lovely looking country. All right. Yeah. Got a cousin whose father is from there. He's uh, I don't know what the term is. It's not Maori, but like he'd walk everywhere barefoot. And uh, when my father met him, he was like, "You gonna put on your shoes before we go out to?" You know what I mean? He said like. I don't fucking wear shoes. I don't have any shoes. <laughs> I don't fucking wear them. But, uh, it's mental. Yeah. What was your first, where was your first meeting, Frank? Avon Lake, my hometown. 
Yeah, is that far from your house? No, I walked actually. Yeah, there was a, a church on one corner, there was a police station on the other corner, and then there was a funeral home on the other corner. And some guys like, yeah, Frank, these are your choices. You can come to the meetings, you can go to jail, or you can end up in the funeral home. Shit. Yeah, a lot, a lot of good memories there. And there was no, there wasn't a help wanted sign outside the funeral home, so I got what they meant. Yeah. How much were you drinking a day? Oh, when I quit, about 16, 18 beers a day. Plus Shit. whatever, whatever liquor I had. Yeah, it was 24-7 around the clock. I got to the point where I just didn't care, you know? Like, I knew I was an alcoholic because I'd been to A before. And I knew I was drinking myself to death. It just really didn't matter anymore. You think it's one of them genetic diseases or it's progressive or what's the story? Do you think it was what? just you liked it? What? Do you have an explanation in that sense? I always, um, I could never handle it ever from the start. I really loved it. But I could never, uh, never control it. So I, I pretty much think it's genetic. It's like I've heard people say that, you know, at some point in their life, they cross the line into being alcoholic I never, there was never a line for me. I was an alcoholic from the beginning. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, they say it's like medication affects some people differently. And uh, I think that's just how, how I'm wired. You know, things just affect me differently. And I really enjoyed drugs and drinking. Oh, it was a story. Were you able to work or are you just, didn't care you were drinking at work. Oh, yeah, no, I, I was working. Off. Yeah, no, I was working. And, uh, you know, I would get up throughout the night, you know, and wake up sweating and shaking and drink and pass back out. You know, it's, you can't really call it sleeping because it's more like just passing back out. And then I'd wake up again and drink again. And when I had to go to work, I would have some coffee and go to work, you know. Yeah. Brush my teeth and try not to talk to anybody. Yeah, I, I was vomit. often brushing my teeth and I'd be vomiting it up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I would drink over the sink because chances are I was going to throw it up anyway. Yeah, but we had 26 really years the other day. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? It really worked for me. It's just, uh, it was, I felt right at home there. People just kind of took care of me and threw me in. And the big book all made sense. You know, I was at Jack, Jekyll and Hyde and I was the Jay Walker. All those stories, man, just fit right with me. And I was a fine chap, but let, let me drink for a day and I, I was a completely different person. Do you miss yeah, one of my friend's mom. No, not at all. One of my friend's mom told me I was alcoholic when I was 15. We were partying at his house up in his room. And then I came downstairs and she, she said, you're an alcoholic. I wasn't, I, wasn't, I was married to an asshole like you. You got the change. You are not the same kid that came in here 15 minutes ago. And, and she saw it right away. But, uh, you know, I was 15. I wasn't that stock. I just found it. You know, I was just really starting to enjoy it. 
trying to figure out the perfect combination of drugs and alcohol to extend my buzz as long as I could. But yeah, I never, never wanted to be sober again. Like as soon as I started smoking weed and drinking and puffing gas, I, I just didn't want to be sober ever again. I just thought people that didn't drink and did drugs were missing out. What did you try first? Was it beer or vodka or joints or tobacco? I think I drank first. Yeah, because my, you know, my whole family drinks. And, you know, they'd have parties and I would steal drinks from there. And I remember going to a wedding when I was really little and uh, drinking at the wedding reception. Yeah, I think I smoked weed. The first time I was like 12. I, I know I had been drinking and drunk a few times before that. When do you think you did it roughly every day? Uh, that was about 25, I'd say. Yeah, about 25 years old, I was drinking all around the clock. But I, you know, I, I got court ordered to AA when I was 17. And uh, it was causing me a lot of problems by then. I had to take the dogs out. Oh, you're good, sir. 17. Jesus. Then you got two years under your belt or a few months, sir? Yeah, about, I think it was 22 months. When, uh, I was going out of town with my brothers. And uh, I thought I could party one weekend out of the year. Just get it all out of my system, you know, like I was under a lot of stress. I was a new father and freaking out. And uh, I thought, oh, I'll just party one weekend out of the year. Nobody will know. And I'll come back and be sober again. Now, came back to meetings and it just didn't feel the same, you know? So I grabbed my sponsor and I told him. And uh, it turns out he'd been smoking pot the whole time. But I'd known him. And, uh, you know, he was doing, a, what do they call it, the marijuana maintenance. Hmm. So out of all the people I knew in AA, I just picked the wrong one to tell. He's uh, like, man, let's go. I got a bag in my car. So we left the meeting, went, got high. And, my wife thought I was going to meetings and I was just going out with them, getting high, and then we'd go to the movies or golfing or bowling or fishing or whatever. Nice. But I stayed away from drinking for a long time. I was just afraid to pick it up now because I'd had so much trouble with it before. So what month was it then that you, you smoked that joint then? Roughly or 22 months that you broke the thing or it was like after a few months or what? No, it was 22 months, yeah. But you still held off the drinking for another while? Oh, uh, probably five years I went without drinking. Shit, I didn't know that. I thought it was fucking near straight away. Yeah, no, I started uh, drinking cough medicine again. And, uh, and I went out to the bar with my buddy, my pop smoking sponsor. And uh, I was like, this is retarded. I'm sitting there walking around with a bottle of cough medicine in my pocket. Just give me a rum and coke. And uh, 
Well, it was like I never stopped before. I was right back there. Shit. That was the first drink, man. Yeah. What age were you then? 22, 23, but it sounds good. Uh, yeah, about 24, I think. 24. So that was like our first legal drink then, and it was just after the races. Yeah, that's right. Shit. Yeah. What was it like? Just relief or silence or what? What did you I get out really, of it? No, it, it really wasn't any different than the cough medicine. Really, it's just a. Uh, it was just a whole. It seemed like everything changed, and uh, I couldn't stop it. So it was different than the cough medicine, but the same in some sense. How many bottles of cough medicine were you drinking? Oh, um, I don't even remember. Yeah, I just got in the cold one time and started drinking it, and then it just became a daily habit like everything else. Was it expensive? No, no. It was only like three bucks. Three bucks a bottle. And that probably last a day. If you, you know took it easy because I was still working so I didn't want to get all fucked up you know so I would just maintenance drink until I was off the clock and then I could you know get really high but then it just you know it's also blurry you know that whole time period is blurry How did you do the cough medicine then? Some recommended, or it's just something you were doing when you were a kid, or? Did you oh just... yeah, we'd we'd heard about um, like if you drank enough Robitussin, it was like doing acid. So that's what we started doing. That was in high school. You know, we were all into sniffing glue and huffing paint, and gasoline, and somebody turned us on to the, ro- the uh, cough medicine, and they, they didn't even question it when we bought it at the store. You know, even as even though we were kids, you know, uh, mental. But they have changed all those laws now. So I mean, you have to be eighteen, I think, to buy it now. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's, you know, there's always that time frame when everybody gets away with it until somebody gets in trouble, and then they raise a big fuss about it and tell the world what these teenagers are doing. When they come in and change the laws, you know. What's your view on it now? Oh, I you think, wouldn't yeah, recommend absolutely. it to anyone. No, I wouldn't. Know. I did it primarily in high school because um, they couldn't smell. Like I didn't smell like I'd been drinking. <laughs> you know, and it was like a good alcohol drug buzz. You know. Hmm. You got a bit stupid after. Yeah, just uh, cloudy. You know, everything got quieter. And there was a calmness to you. Relaxed, yeah, yeah, definitely. Just chilled, chilled everything out. What would it be like if you couldn't get it? Well, I, I'd do anything. You know, I'd go to the art room and get some rubber cement. You know, whatever. But we almost always had weed. 
you know. Mm. I mean, they, they, we had coke dealers in that little white suburb. No, <laughs> that that you know, I could have got coke every day if I wanted. Shit, it's coke expensive. It was back then, yeah. Mm. But I'd you know I had such a problem with alcohol that I consciously made a decision to stay away from cocaine because you know I had heard that everybody it just destroys everybody. So you've never done cocaine? I did a little bit in the very beginning. You know, I tried it out a few times, but like I said, I, I had enough problems with drinking. It was always about protecting my ability to continue drinking. You know, I, it's like I could negotiate with myself, you know, so I, I could set limits and then so I didn't get in any trouble. So I wouldn't leave the house or if I'd had too much to drink or you know, I could control drinking all day so I didn't get fired. You know, and, and part of that negotiation was not doing cocaine. It's like, you know, you can keep drinking, just don't do don't do cocaine. And I was like, okay, you know, because I was pretty happy with drinking. You know, it did everything for me that I wanted it to. It just wasn't socially acceptable to be drunk at six o'clock in the morning. You know, mm. or at school. Like if you got caught drinking at school, they kicked you out. But the cough medicine was okay if they caught that on you. They, they never caught me with it. Yeah. No, I kept it in my locker. And I would just take a swig in between classes and I'll go out and get high at lunch. And they couldn't smell it. No, it's like when I smoked weed, my eyes turned completely red. So it's like everybody knew I was smoking weed all through high school because my eyes were so red. And I, you know, it's like half the teachers knew I was high. And, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal, but drinking was a big deal. Like, if you got caught drinking at school, it was a big issue. But we had three kids die in a car crash, drinking and driving. So that that was a, that's probably where a lot of that came from. A lot of the attention was because of that, you know. Do you know those kids or you just knew about them? Yeah, no, the one was a prom king. Yeah, I knew him. I was friends with all of them. Um, yes. they, found a, they found a bar that would sell them liquor in another city and they went over there and they um, got in a head-on car crash but that was like in the beginning of the rehab when kids went off to treatment like their parents would catch them smoking pot and send them off to treatment for 30 days and uh, that was the beginning of that back in the 80s and, you know we had all new but there was like no information. It's like now these kids today have all that information at their fingertips. You know, we didn't know what treatment was. It was all just you would find out because somebody's brother would tell you that you know Jimmy got shipped off to treatment and he's not going to be back for a month. You know because he was doing drugs and he got caught. You know? so, so then they would come back and you would ask them what it was like. You know? What was treatment like? What happened? And then of course we'd all be getting high again. You know it's like I would welcome them. Like I was a very bad um, influence on kids that just got out of treatment because I wanted them to get wasted again. So 
<laughs> just dangling the car in front of them. Yeah, it's like my brothers did the same thing to me. Like that time I got high with them, they're like, "Man, we missed partying with you, and it's so cool to have you back." Because I didn't hang out with them when I was going to meetings because I knew I couldn't stay sober if I hung out with my brothers. You know. So yeah, when one of the crowd got sent off to treatment, we would all like throw a party for him when they got back. Get him right back into it. Do you believe that slip was necessary then? Um, he got 26 years the other day, yeah? Yeah. So that's, you know, half your life sober now. Right, yeah. I don't know if it was necessary, um, but it definitely convinced me that I could never safely take a drink. You know? oh. Ever. <laughs> because it was. It was literally like I had never stopped. I heard that at meetings. You know, people said, you know, I quit for a while, then I picked up again. It was like I never stopped. It really was. Like I never stopped. It picked up right where it left off. I had, you know, just as little control. There was no... There was no graduating from it. There was no getting good at it. There was never, it was never something I was going to be able to do. You know, I'm just genetically different. You see that in family members as well? Or they can oh, turn yeah, it my, off? Or? My mom, yeah, my mom's got a alcoholic dementia. And I know her, like her, I think her father committed suicide. And uh, all my brothers have one, some kind of addiction. You know, so yeah, it's pretty rampant. Everybody's got a fully stocked bar in their basement. You know, it's a big drinking party family. You know, wedding receptions, everybody got fucked up. And I think we've all got arrested for drinking and driving. You know, I, the first time I ever drove a car was because my mom was too drunk to drive. So my brother said, you got to take mom home. And, you know, I was a little kid. <laughs> I could barely see over the fucking dash. And I'm driving this big Cadillac, taking my mom home. And it was probably, you know, like four or five miles away. But, you know, she's stopping and telling me to stop so she could throw up out the door. <laughs> oh you know, so that was the environment that, you know, that was normal. That's what we did. It's amazing yeah. we're all still alive. So you don't know any different, huh? Right. Your friends growing up, were they similar stories or did you like look at them and be like, wait, why aren't they that way or what's the story? Well, I had like, like good friends when I was playing football and baseball, you know, they were like normal kids. And then once I started smoking weed and drinking, they didn't want to hang out anymore. So I found, I hung out with all the kids that did drugs and then mm. I would get too bad for them. You know, I was, I would like... In high school, I would drink and just get completely out of control and go on these destructive rampages where I would just destroy street lights and, you know, stop signs and trash cans. And it was just vandalism, basically. And Once I started driving, I would drive through everybody's yards with the car, you know, because they really loved having that nice, perfectly manicured grass. And I would just, I would, and I would drive through it and throw the car in reverse and dig these big trenches in their yards and, and just go down the street like that. And just go find another house. Sopranos doing it to Chrissy's yard. 
totally random. It, not people I knew, not people that had ever done anything to me, but it, it was that whole class of people because they were they were pretty affluent, you know, and I grew up kind of poor, so I never felt like I fit in with them. So I would just go on these rampages and, you know, basically they were just uptight people and I just couldn't relate to that, you know? They were different than me and and I took that out on them. You know, they were trying to keep us down. They were trying to spoil our fun, you know, like they never lived when they were younger. You know, they never had any fun. They were always trying to call the cops on us. So I would go out and destroy all their nice yards. <laughs> Shit. But I, you know, it was, I was out of control. So my friends would just like, man, I can't hang out with you because you're just so fucking out of control. So then, you know, finally I just ran out of friends, basically. And then I got arrested and had to go to meetings. And then I found AA, you know, and I stopped hanging out with all of them, you know. I couldn't be around it. Do your friends have since come into recovery from those days? Or Yeah, there's a guy. Um, I don't know if he goes to meetings. I know he found the church. Uh, he's on Facebook, a guy I went to high school with. And he's sober, but yeah, I know one of my friends died from, um, well, I think it may have been an overdose or it may have been an aneurysm. There was like four of us from my high school that had aneurysms. And uh, so I think it was something in the, in the atmosphere and the pollutants from the neighborhood, you know, because we had like a coal burning, coal burning power plant and we had a Ford plant and we had this um, automotive paint manufacturer so i'm sure they were dumping a lot of pollutants in the air because i mean out of my high school class they have four kids die of an aneurysm it's really strange you know so it was either that or he od'd but you know when people od back then they didn't say they overdosed you know they didn't publicize that because they didn't want to shame the family or whatever you know yeah yeah up until a few years ago in Ireland, if you committed suicide, they couldn't bury you in the church. Wow. It's fucked up, isn't it? Yeah. There was one guy I know who committed suicide, and the story was then they told his wife that he got kicked in the head by a horse. Yeah. And uh, for years, that's what I taught, and then I was talking to someone, and then they told me, no, no, that's, that's what happened. That's what they told you because you were fucking 10. <laughs> But, right. uh, you know, and, um, yeah, story is he came into a bit of money and, uh, like working all his life for this and he got these horses and tax man. Then he thought the best way to do it is hang himself. So his wife would get the money without having to go through all this shit. Uh, lovely man. Lovely man. You know, here in the States. You don't get insurance money if you commit suicide. Mm. So, like, if you have a life insurance policy and you kill yourself, your wife doesn't get that because you committed suicide. Fuck. Yeah, so you have to make it look like an accident. So you can't hang yourself. You have to, like, get hit by a car or, you know, crash yeah, yeah. a car. That, that's what I was thinking when I, when I was thinking about suicide, to leave money to my family. I was going to make it look like a full accident. Which probably saved think about suicide? Oh, in high school, I, I was you know, one of the worst. 
phases. Yeah, I signed up to go in the military, and then I got arrested again. And they uh, said we can't take you; you get in too much trouble. So then I had no future. You know, that was my like my ticket out of that town. And I figured they could teach me discipline, and you know, I could just live on base and not drink, and you know, try to get my shit together. And then I got arrested one. You know, I I quit drinking. I quit doing drugs for the drug test to get into the military. And I went for a ride with my two buddies. They were going in the army. And, uh, I got in the truck and they're like, hey, we got a 15 pack of beer, man. You want one? I was like, no, dude, I'm not drinking. All I want to do is get out of town. And I lasted about 15 minutes and I was like, oh, fuck it. Let me have a beer. And then we all got fucking arrested that night. You know? I lasted 15 minutes on my own with those two dudes. And I couldn't, couldn't stay away from them. So yeah, then I then I had no future, and I was like, I'm just gonna be fucked up my whole life, and it's gonna be a continuation of me embarrassing the family and have my name in the paper for doing stupid drunken shit. And, you know, emotion, I was really emotionally unstable. I couldn't control anything, and I just thought that was the best way to get out of it. It was never gonna get any better. Basically. But I had to go see this counselor for my. DUI conviction, and I broke down and told her I was suicidal. She saved my life, really. What age were you then? That was 17, 16, 17. You know the way you grew up with guns then? You know, you always had them, or did you only just get them? No, I always had them, yeah. Just... I, I, had a, I had that lever action rifle, like the old Western the cowboys have you know the big long rifle with a lever that comes out the bottom all right i, I had one of those in high school yeah how come you never but thought yeah, about doing it that way when i ask well I, I didn't want my mom to find me you know i, I figured yeah. i put her through enough and she would have been the one that came in and found me i was living with her and my stepdad and i didn't want to put her through that hmm. Yeah, but that was just, yeah, we all had that. Ever since I was a kid, I was shooting guns. Yeah. And my kids are the same way. I, I took my granddaughter to the gun range and let her shoot. But she couldn't, she couldn't even hold the gun. I had to put my hand over top of hers. Just looking at it now, it's kind of crazy. But, you know, it's just Different very, culture, very cool. though, man. Yeah, it's just a, something cool you can do, you know. It's legal. Mm-hmm. Exciting. So guns aren't readily available in Ireland like they are over there for you. There's a, like the suicide rate in Ireland is high enough without people shooting themselves. So if we had guns, man, <laughs> there'd be a lot less Irish right. people. I'll that for a fact. Um, I told you that joke about the guy who goes to the library, yeah? Yeah. yeah he's like, uh, I need to get a book, uh, a book about suicide. The librarian says, fuck you, you won't give it back. Right. 